This is the one we've been teasing since since we started this whole damn podcast venture. We're we're giving you this one before we get our Casper checks, and that's a damn shame because a lot of people are going to probably listen to this podcast. It's teasing Kid Phoenix versus Ghostbusters. I am Kid Phoenix. Teams is on the line. Uh, we also have one of our dear mutual friends. I refer to her still to this day as just simply the Countess. Uh, it is our friend Heidi. She is on the line. She's in the virtual building. This is happening. This is the most requested podcast that we've gotten in the short time we've been podcasting. I just want to point out that you really missed an opportunity to tie Casper mattresses into ghosts and ghost busking. I know. Hey, get it at the end. There's a lot um, of lot of mattress tie-ins you could do for Ghostbusters. We'll There's take the- all the checks. We'll take all the checks. It doesn't matter. You all marshmallow do a, companies. You- yeah, because marshmallow companies, uh, uh, this, this Kool Aid. You all could do a commercial for the mattress company that recreates the dream sequence from Ghostbusters. Oh if my you know god! Which one I'm referring to the, the part that the, the the part that's the part that's edited out every time it's on network television <laughs> for no the damn full, reason at all. The full dream sequence, or the part that they actually use in the movie. I think you know what part I'm talking about. Don't play play coy. So anyway, let me just say that Heidi's Ghostbusters bona fides are without question. Indisputable. We can prove Heidi's Ghostbusters. We can prove all of our Ghostbusters bona fides and why we are qualified to talk about this topic. Is, like is one mean, of those reasons because we all know every single piece of dialogue in the entire well, movie. I was just we can quote the entire goddamn I was movie. come in in, a, on, in mid-scene and hope for you guys to pick it up. Well, uh, I was hoping then, that a But then we have would... to establish who's who. We have to establish who's Bankman. We don't. Stan- we can just fall into it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. We'll start it off. Okay. I, I was hoping that Adio would grace us with his reenactment of the scene where Ray pulls up with the car. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Okay. There's only two characters in the scene. But yeah, you can't park that here. Everybody can relax. I found the car. Need some suspension work and shocks and brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission, rear end. How much? Only 4800 Also new rings. Also mufflers. Little wiring. Now you try know watching what? that in the movie theater with us. Yeah, right. Because you know what? Everybody's completely around the bend on this ghost business. These people have been running their asses off, meeting and greeting every schizo in the five boroughs that's had paranormal experience. What have you seen? That's not what this podcast is. We're not doing the entire film, although we could. And it would be a very enjoyable two-hour, hour, hour, 90-minute podcast. We're not going to do that, however. Could be some bonus content. Some bonus content. Some bonus internet content. Yeah. It has to come with a video of you jumping over something, um, a la the... Are we doing the story now? Are we doing the story... Okay. Wait a minute. I don't know what our Ghostbusters bonus content would look like. It would just be us sitting there going, this scene is great. This <laughs> scene, also great. <laughs> this scene, great. <laughs> so to, to piggyback off of uh, Heidi's comment just now, back in the day, 
when we did um we mentioned a video store that Teves and I used to work at. One night we're watching Ghostbusters on the little TV that they have as like, you know, preview movies, whatever, do something that's not work. That scene comes up where Dana walks into the firehouse and she starts talking. Bill Murray leaps up from his desk and runs, jumps over the banister. During that scene, I start from the back of the video library building, run and catapult myself over the counter, which is probably a good two feet in width, probably. Clear the damn thing. It's like a legit counter at a store. Yeah. Yeah, it's legit two feet across. And I clear this thing and I'm running out the front door. (laughs) Um. So yes, we're we're actually willing to put ourselves to through bodily harm. Yes, potentially to reenact this film. In service of bits for, related <laughs> to this film. Now let's just talk. So about, don't question our bona fides during this podcast. Don't, just don't do it. Let's let's just talk about why. Like what? Why do we love this movie so much? What is it? What is, is it? The ghosts? Is it the busting? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I, I actually was thinking about that a lot. Let's hear it. Past week. And mm-hmm. I really cannot like put my finger on why it's, it's, I mean, part of it is probably like the age that the three of us are is it's just like Ghostbusters is kind of like always been with us mm-hmm. and it was good and it was funny. And you like, maybe watched it with your parents or you watched it with friends or, you know, both like first one, then the other. Right. And it was just good and funny. And that's kind of the memory that you have of it. When you really get down to it, then you're like, well, but wait, why do I like it? And then there's like a lot of things to like in it. There's a lot of really good stuff. And so I don't think it's like one thing. I think it's, a lot of things, but your past experience with it, I think, is probably a big contributor to how much you like it. I personally like Ghostbusters so much just because it's almost the perfect film. We'll, we'll get into what it is about, what it's not about, but it moves. The pacing is fantastic. It's early Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. The, the casting is perfect. The script is amazing. I would say it's peak Bill Murray. Okay, peak Bill Murray. And peak Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, they did a lot of stuff before it, which I think we kind of maybe forget about and maybe it gets overshadowed. Depending on what you're more of a fan of, it might get overshadowed by Ghostbusters. Even the little ancillary characters like Will Atherton as Walter Peck, like that guy is just enjoyable. The story is fucking, it's just fun. It's just a fun movie. And in 2021, this, listen, Ghostbusters came out in 1984. In 2021, it is still incredibly rewatchable. And you can't really say that about a lot of films that were made in that era. A quick side note. Do you think William Atherton gets Die Hard if he's not in Ghostbusters? There's no way, right? Um, speaking as somebody that is 
a diehard I mean, fanatic. As, 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 as the nation's foremost authority on the diehard franchise. Thank you. Thank what you. is your take thank, on <laughs> Thank you for uh, verbalizing my credentials. I was going to say that if he didn't. Mm, maybe not. Because what Will Atherton wasn't really who doing knows it. who he is right exactly. he, before before Ghostbusters he's just he's just a dude he's just a guy and I, I mean, think I think probably like if you say his name to a lot of people they'll be like who and yeah. you can clarify by saying the guy from Ghostbusters yeah. if you Walter say Walter Peck, Peck yeah. you'll yep. they'll know who he is Annie Potts I know her from Ghostbusters Sorry, I don't know anything so- else she's in I know she's in Ghostbusters that's Wait. enough. Quick side note, William Atherton actually hated his role from Ghostbusters for a while. I'm sure he, he kept, did. Because he kept being called dickless everywhere he went. But uh, is that true? That's true. Wow. Shout and out Annie, to you guys. Annie Potts is in Designing Women. So I didn't really watch a whole lot of Designing Women when I was in my like. Well, teens. that's your law, sir. Yeah, that that might be something. Listen, I'm sorry. No disrespect to the great Delta Burke, but she just wasn't doing it for me when I was like 12, 13 years old. Delta Burke is the worst part of that show. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, just just kicking Delta Burke all in the face, Teeves. That's how we're doing this? So the reason I love Ghostbusters... (laughs) Yes, please tell us. (laughs) ...is because I liked scary things or i was into scary stuff alien is the very first movie i can remember vividly going to things being scary was something in my life that i was aware of being an issue and i remember ghostbusters being the first thing that was really gave me like weaponry against like being scared of stuff all the time like (laughs) you know what i mean like i watch poltergeist is still a very scary movie for me but because of ghostbusters with very similar effects and we'll get into why those effects look so similar in a bit the ghostbusters come along and they're able to like trap these ghosts that were scaring me in poltergeist and they're able to knock them right out and i'm like hey that's that's pretty great and plus they're funny Bill Murray is just the version of yourself you wanted to be in class. Like he just says the stuff you wish you could say to teachers and to any authority figure. (laughs) Especially when you're like 10, 11, 12 years old. You're just a little smartass anyway. And Bill Murray is the patron saint of all little smartasses. (laughs) Um, I think that's a really good point, Keith. Like, I think Ghostbusters is like a good entry point for depending on the age you are when you first see it for like it's scary but not too like if you're a kid and you're young when you see it like it's scary but it's not too scary if you're young if if you're young when you first see it if you're like kind kind of young like you find it scary but if the first time you see it is not until you're like 12 13 you might you might be a little bit frightened but at in the most parts you're just going to think it's silly as hell. I mean, we don't think of it as scary anymore because we've no. seen it a bunch of times, but there are some really scary moments. Like <laughs> a the bunch cabbie. of times. I'm sure we've seen it hundreds of times. Yeah. But there are moments that are pretty scary. The cabbie is pretty scary. Oh, my scary. God. Yeah. The, uh, the, the 
chair, the gargoyle's dragging Dana off in the chair is Yo, super my, scary. If you were just sitting in your ghost. house and then that thing grabbed yeah. your crotch. No, 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 thank Forget you. Forget it. No, I did not. I did not sit in a reclining chair for months after watching <laughs> that scene. Fuck that. But it, again, balances this very scary stuff also with these kind of, you know, dudes that seem like they'd be cool to hang out. Well, one dude. I don't know if it'd be cool to hang out with Egon unless you like spores, molds, and fungus. But uh, yeah, it might be boring. A bunch of- <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to try to quote Ghostbusters as much as we can in this goddamn podcast. We're going to move into something that I really wanted to actually have a discussion about. And on the internet, in some places, there's this thought, this theory that Ghostbusters isn't really about anything or, you know, what is it really about? And I just like for us to talk about that idea. Like I understand where that thought is coming from. I have my own thoughts on it, but at its heart, it's about busting ghosts. So I don't really even (laughs) know why anyone would make a YouTube video about it. Otherwise, like what's it about busting ghosts? Can I can I answer that question with another question? Yes, please do. No, it's my favorite. That's very rude. <laughs> okay. People are asking what is Ghostbusters about? Like if you're trying to describe it to people and trying to explain them what Ghostbusters is and there's no real definition. Is that really a problem with this movie? Like, is it something where it's just like, okay, it's not really about anything, but sit down, watch it. It's 80 minutes. But I guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. That's more or less how I describe Ghostbusters to people. Like, I don't, it's definitely about ghosts and ghost busting. But if you're looking for like a deeper meaning or anything like that, I don't think it's anything about like that. But that's okay because it's still a great movie. Okay. So, T Bit, you are referring to the YouTube video that Patrick Willems. Patrick H. Willems, yes. What is Ghostbusters about? Yes. So, like, I think. Teams gave everybody homework for this podcast, yeah. by the way, and we're we're just we're just so upset with them because it's summertime. I wanted to have a summertime, and nobody wants to do homework discussion. in the summer. I didn't just want to be all of us sitting around quoting our favorite scenes. I don't know. I feel like people would love that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, anyway. we're doing that anyway. Well, very true. Um, I think, like, okay, so I think he's going at it from a more academic and story structure type of standpoint. yeah hardcore film crit which world i should right. say i still don't necessarily agree with so i guess his point is really that it's not about anything because the characters don't have traditional character arcs they right. don't grow and change I, um, I have thoughts on this, but we'll get into it. As do I. So go okay. on. Mm-hmm. That, but that is that is kind of to sum up his point. And he's not saying it in a way where he's saying it's a bad movie because right, of right. that. He kind of does admit the opposite when he's talking about this. Um, like, okay, it's, it's still great, but the characters don't have that same character arc that you see in every other movie, mostly ever. Right. But and I think what he's really saying when he's saying it's not about anything is he's saying, I can't figure out what the theme is, because unlike other movies, I'm not accessing the theme through a character and a character's arc. Uh, There's some movies where it's fine if they don't have a theme, like Ghostbusters is one of them. 
I think Ghostbusters does have a ton of themes. I, just I think, think that's the problem. It doesn't have one in your face one. I think everything about it, which may be why I've so, sort of stood the test of time and, and sort of received so well by so many people is that like all of that stuff, that traditional stuff is more subtle than it is in a lot of other movies and TV shows that we consume. It's not like they didn't sit down writing this with the thought that, oh, this movie is going to be about this the way a screenwriter might do today. Right. I think it falls into the into a category of movies that we don't really make anymore. And it's kind of, I'm going to call it, at its heart, and the way it's written to be, is it is a Bill Murray movie. But the same way Meatballs and Stripes are Bill Murray movies. Meatballs is Bill Murray as a, cap, as a camp counselor. He, his character does not grow and change in that movie. He's just being who he is, or he's being the character of Bill Murray that we've all come to expect in this situation. Right. Same with Stripes. It's Bill Murray in the army. He doesn't grow or change a lot in that movie. He just is Bill Murray. This is Bill Murray busting ghosts, which this is not the only movie like this. Beverly mm. Hills Cop is also like this. Beverly Hills Cop is Axel Foley is a dope cop in Detroit and now he's a dope cop in Beverly Hills. Same with Beverly Hills 2. Indiana Jones does not grow and change. He's fighting Nazis in this movie and now he's fighting Nazis in another separate different movie. It's not the kind of movie where a character like starts someplace, goes through this big transformation and then ends up changed for the experience. And I think that's what he's talking. That's what he. That's why he's saying, "Well, what's it about?" I think there is a character that goes through that kind of journey, and I was thinking about this today. The character. What if we're looking for the wrong? What if we're looking at the wrong character to go on that journey? Yeah, Venkman would would seem to be the main character of the movie, but if we're looking for the character that's going to go through a journey that's going to point us at an arc, I think it's going to be Ray. Interesting. And I think. Because I, I agree that uh, there is a character that goes on that journey. But my, my thought is Winston. See, I don't, I don't know that Winston has a real journey because... He comes in not really believing what's going on. He's just out there just trying to get, get a job and get this bread. But right. towards the end, he kind of like believes in what's been going on. I don't think he does. Really? He's shit that'll like... turn you white. He's seen nice. shit that will turn you white, but that's his job. He's not like, oh, I was an unbeliever and now I'm a believer. He was like, listen, if you're going to pay me, I'm going to do it. And by the end, if you're going to pay me, I'm still going to do it. But with Ray, he doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care about anything as long as there's a paycheck in it. Right. But with Ray, I think you can draw an arc based on like two or three scenes. It's like the one scene where he's with Venkman right after they get booted out of Columbia. Okay. And it's like, you know, Ray has the whole thing where personally, I like the university. They gave us money and facilities and we have to, we didn't have to produce anything. You've never been in the private sector. They expect results. That scene. Ray is talking about how he likes this sheltered world of academia where he is, but then something happens. First and he has off, to pivot. First off, him and Egon never really saw anything until the library, right? Right. They've never really 
saw any ghosts. Nothing really happened until the library. It's and still then, a theory until the library. Until the library, they've never actually seen ghosts. Now they have, and he realizes, oh, we can we could do something with this. But it's not until he gets the push of getting kicked out of the university and Venkman pushes him into selling his parents' house. Remember, it's Ray's money that pays for everything. Yes. He gets pushed into starting the Ghostbusters pretty much. I think what I think the theme is, the overarching theme of Ghostbusters is if you believe in yourself and you stay true to yourself, you'll be successful pretty much. Like the I would agree with that. I mean, um, it's light. It's not super duper heavy. It yeah. would, there are things that would reinforce it, but I think at its core, you could get, you can extract that. I also I would think there's that. a there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a con artist theme in there, and I think that that's kind of Bankman's arc as well, which is that like he starts off as just sort of a con artist who doesn't believe his own shtick, and by the end, right. He's, he's a con, a artist, con artist who does believe his own shit, basically. <laughs> like that's like it's like I said, it's it's subtle. It's not a huge up and down thing, but like that's where he goes from. Like he just is a self-serving in it for chicks kind of bullshit artist at the beginning, and then they get kicked out, and he's like, "Well, maybe we bullshit our way through this too," <laughs> and then lo and behold, it works. Yeah. And then at the end, I feel like he kind of realizes that, like, he can be successful without it being a con artist, like a whole, like, you know, without it being a con. But then at that point, you know, I mean, he's still, a, I feel like he's still a con artist and a showman at the end, which, of course, we know uh, if we talk about Ghostbusters 2, where he is right. just a showman and also still a con artist. But I do think <laughs> that's that's kind of his arc. That's kind of the arc of the whole movie as well. It's the arc of the, the company, right? right? Like the company starts off like, yeah, we don't know that this is going to work. Like it works in theory. There, and nobody th- takes that seriously. And then they kind of earn their way to respect by the end. It, it, the it, audience it, is I, on this journey of like learning with the Ghostbusters if this is actually going to pan out. And I think that being like a theme, just like taking the audience on this journey of these four dudes trying to, you know, well, well, Ray and Egon are trying to live a dream and a theory that they have. Venkman's just kind of along for the ride. And Winston is just trying to get a paycheck. Just like that journey from A to B is a theme for the entire movie. I think you really hit on something by saying that the company is the main character, but that's going to leave me into an... I, so I do like, think I do think yeah. the company is the main character, and I think, and I haven't really like sat down and nerded out over this, but I think like the company and the com- the combination of all the characters, I think that gets you your more traditional character arc. But they're right. almost like the like if you look at the characters individually, they're all like a trait, right? Right. And I think that they're was intentional. Tra- from what I've read, I think that was intentional in the writing. Yeah. But I think that's why you don't really see the drastic changes because really you have to look at them as a whole. And that's why like the success of the company is really the, the thing that is the major change. That's what that's, I think that ties into the theme that I stated. It's like, it's a sub theme. Okay. It is the American 
business story on yeah, steroids. Look, I promised myself I was not just going to make the whole my whole idea here about capitalism, but <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's not specifically about capitalism. It's specifically oh, about it's capitalism. It's capitalism, but it's specifically the American brand of capitalism, which is like you start a business you stick to your guns and you believe in yourself even if everybody thinks that business is stupid yeah. and eventually <laughs> you get to fight gods that's uh -huh. on, on that is quite the american surface. dream that you're painting there yeah and that's, it's it's also that's also flat out stated again in ray's dialogue about liking the university they're at the university for we don't know how long they've been right. there They've accomplished kind of nothing. Right. Nothing. And he sort of says he didn't intend to accomplish anything. Wow. <laughs> right? So I did not. But then right. now we're not... out on our own and capitalism is gonna make us essentially put up or shut up. So I'm sorry, I was not gonna and they're, they're, they're 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 seemingly being validated by this like the the capitalistic venture that they're going into and the fact that it was like a thing that was successful like it validated them as characters for four thousand dollars for big ones but this and super storage of the beast is going to come to another one thousand dollars fortunately but doesn't this being a super rah-rah american capitalism movie make sense in the context of 1984 Rambo, america yes, rocky four uh, yeah yeah I mean, that's just that's just the era that, that movie came out in. Like it, you look at, you know, Wall Street, for example, like that that was just a movie that was about uh, making money on the stock exchange and screwing over whoever the hell you needed to, to make this bread. Like those were the those were the kinds of movies that were around in the 80s, just like fueling the idea of the American dream that you can make money if you have an idea. Right. But I think that that dna is in this movie and i think it's one of the things that makes it so compelling especially for americans <laughs> like yes. you watch this movie you're like wow being an american is dope i'm gonna start a business tomorrow yep i'm gonna get on, i'm gonna get on etsy and sell some shit sorry i made it a rant about capitalism it, that, you didn't probably, rant. There was it was it was listen listening let's uh, go to listen Heidi's on the podcast. It was bound to happen at some point, so you might as well just knock it out of the way early. Let's go on a quick detour into a parallel universe. Universe? Let's yeah. Let's just let's just follow Gozer into the nearest convenient parallel dimension. And so originally this was written for John Belushi. Right. Tragically, John Belushi died before they were finished writing this and so they eventually settled on bill murray being in it but after making trading places dan Aykroyd was convinced that eddie murphy could also be a part of it and they did offer a role to eddie murphy so i just want to know you guys' thoughts as to like what do you think would happen with these different cast permutations okay if it's john belushi does it see with Dan Aykroyd? Does it just turn into like more Blues Brothers slapstick? I was gonna. That was gonna be my thought. Is that um, he? He probably like like Lucy can do the deadpan, but he's also more physical in his comedy, yeah. which yes. I don't. 
I mean, I think it probably would have worked. Um, he's just like less, again, subtle with it. So like, I think way Belushi, less so in place of Bill Murray works more than Eddie Murphy would have worked in place of uh, 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 Winston. Would it, Ernie Hudson, God. I don't know that Ernie, I don't know if the Winston role would be written exactly the same if it was Eddie Murphy, but I just don't. I don't think they could have done it the same. There's no way. Eddie Murphy, because he's just too big of a personality for it. Um, By the way, on Eddie and Mur- off screen, I feel like. Eddie Murphy is so great. He could turn down Ghostbusters and it could be the right career move. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one comedy that did better than Ghostbusters in the 80s and it was Beverly Hills Cop. I think what you said about Bill about John Belushi having an understated having like a more subtle gear that he can get into. Basically, I think if you add if you get rid of Bill Murray, you add John Belushi and Eddie Murphy, you wind up with a cast that's very similar to 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's like too, it's it's a little too much, and it's not. I'm not saying it's too much. Straight man. I mean, like you have Egon, but I don't think of Egon as the straight man. I think he's sort of something else altogether. So I think it's it's like uh, at eleven or twelve, where like a, a eight or nine would do. Right. Also, also, I think that if you have Belushi and Aykroyd in the film, it kind of really takes away from performances of the other actors. Like Harold Ramis gets wild, probably gets wildly overshadowed. Ernie Hudson, probably not even a not, he's probably not even much of a factor. Sigourney Weaver, maybe. I just, but I don't, the, the don't whole see. movie, the whole movie turns into an Aykroyd Belushi movie. Yeah, I didn't even think of Sigourney Weaver, but I cannot see them having any chemistry precisely because Sigourney Weaver is like a full foot taller than John. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and that's the thing. Like, the the chemistry between Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver, it was fantastic. I don't know if you get that same. I don't think I don't think you get that same feel if it's John Belushi. Like, no, no disrespect to John Belushi, great actor. Loved him in Animal House and uh, Blues Brothers, but that kind of, he he was definitely more of the physical slapsticky guy, whereas Bill Murray was he, he could tell he could tell a joke and just be straight faced. Again, Jim, sorry, John, John, John Belushi, Belushi, Jesus, does have a he does not have to be doing physical stuff all the time. He does have another level. I just don't know that if you use him that way, the same way with using Melissa McCarthy that way in 2016, it's not really playing to her strength. We'll get to that. Um, So So another question regarding Belushi is if we, if we agree with and accept the con artist angle, do we buy Belushi as a con man? I mean, he's demonstrated that he's That's a little bit of, point. of, he has like a little bit of ability to be a con man because arguably they kind of are cons in the Blues Brothers. Um, but do do we think that he necessarily would pull that off in the way that Bill Murray did in order Again. for that? Or do we have to have right. a, an actual arc for that character because we can't do the subtle con artist angle? Bill Murray has the most amazing ability to be a complete dick, but you still like it. Exactly. <laughs> and nobody else can do that. 
and that's what you need for this role. Belushi can't do that. It would have been different. It would have played for a con artist. (laughs) You're like, you're like, this guy's screwing me, but you know what? He's just so nice. The only other person I the only other person that I think could have done that is Bill Clinton, honestly. Bill Clinton and Bill Murray. That's it. The only guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There you go. One of my favorite casting what ifs is uh what if what if Reginald Vell Johnson actually took the uh Winston role? Was he up that is, that is a thing that almost happened. They gave this part to Ernie Hudson, but they liked Reginald Vell so much that they gave him that little role as the security guard. As the as the the cop the, in the lockup. The prison guard in the lockup, yeah. So where does this movie fall in the Reggie Vell extended universe? Is it the first movie, or uh... I feel like it would be okay. So again, so we have doing, to he's again, again, we have to dip into the police academy. We have no, right. we have to, we have to dip he's into LA. the, we have to dip into uh, me being the foremost uh, person on Die Hard and Die oh, Hard. I think things. I got this. I think I got it. I think I got it. So so right here in in this movie, this is definitely the first. This is the prequel, and then he's working there. And he starts to get up and get really like famous in the in the prison system and the police department. He's like, all right, I'm getting too big for this. I'm gonna go out to LA, nice sunny skies, all like this. And now I'm a sergeant now. There was there were no oh, there it is. There are no open sergeant spots in the okay. NYPD. Okay. So he goes to LA because they offer him a sergeant role. There you go. And then after that, he retires and moves to uh, what No, do he doesn't it? retire. He just becomes a cop in Chicago. He becomes a cop in Chicago next after Die Hard 2. One Steve Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all in the same universe. Yes. I, I agree. How, okay. how, have we, how have we woven Die Hard into Ghostbusters twice There's already? There's two connective characters. Yeah. Two connective characters. <laughs> I did not I mean. I did not mean for this to just... happen. I just want to get it on record. I did not mean for this to happen. It just happened naturally. I think we should be more concerned that we just tied it to family matters. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's just the logical place it should go. Yeah. yeah I mean, we everything, know these things all exist. In the everything family. ends with family matters. I mean, come on. <laughs> but listen, after that, we're going to take a short break to pay some bills, and then we'll get into. The sequels, the prequels, oh, the animated I got, show. I got, everything. I got, I got shit for this. I, I guess we have to talk about the the sequels and the kind of offshoot material of Ghostbusters, since there's a whole like conglomerate behind this franchise. I don't even know if conglomerate is the right word, but fuck it, I'm gonna use it anyway. I don't think it is. I don't think it's the word. Well, but... well, fuck it. That's the word I'm gonna use. You're already committed. Just go for it. I'm committed. So you go. So all you can go to hell. Um, everyone can substitute their own appropriate everybody can substitute their own word but I will not stand for grammar shaming on the tweet on the on the Twitter timelines there plenty of other things you can shame him for plenty of other things you can shame me about Um, let's so should we just start with the obvious and just go Ghostbusters 2 yeah Atiba you have a good opinion on why Ghostbusters 2 isn't what what would have made Ghostbusters 2 better the score sucks a lot. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the score is probably the worst score they could have chosen. Um, that's, that's just like the most random thing to just except, choose. Just like the score. Except for Higher and Higher, which I love I'm not and even, love wait, forever. That's the soundtrack. Own, own I'm not talking record. about the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the score. score. 
Okay, you think about the score. Wow, the first movie. <laughs> what? Fuck you, Randy Edelman. That's what Teeves just said right there. <laughs> I'm not saying fuck you. I'm just saying totally the wrong direction to go in. But, <laughs> I mean, the they were played fine. The 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 compositions were fine. They were just not right. Think about the first movie. It's what's in it. It's a piano and a theremin, pretty much. Yeah. With occasionally some some swells of strings. The second movie has like fanfares, <laughs> like heroic music playing. Like that's the whole point. And I think that that speaks to what was really not, what was really off about that movie. I agree. I, I can piggyback off that when you're done. Yeah. Because in the ensuing years between 84 and 89, the Ghostbusters became a franchise. And for better or for worse, a lot of that stuff gets born out in the second movie where you know, oh, we have to make these seem like larger than life figures where not being larger than life figures was the main draw of the first movie. Right. One of the issues that I had with Ghostbusters 2, and this breeds more into the franchise of the Ghostbusters, between 84 and 89, there was the real Ghostbusters cartoon, right? I don't know what it was about the Ghostbusters. and Maybe Heidi has some input on this as well. I don't know what it is was about the Ghostbusters where they took that franchise and said, okay, we want to try to start marketing this a little bit to kids. Was it just like the story of the Ghostbusters that just lent itself naturally to, I guess, for lack of a better term, children's storytelling? Well, yeah. I mean, I think like we were talking about earlier, like it's like it's accessible to a younger audience, despite having some obvious like adult themes, like yeah. dreams of ghost blowjobs and stuff. <laughs> but it is like a thing that kids find accessible at a certain point. And so like there's there's obviously like a point where parents are going to be like, no, you're too young to watch this. But like they're super into it. In fact, a friend of mine just said not that long ago, she was like, how young is too young to watch the Ghostbusters? Because her five-year-old really loves the theme song. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I'd love to show it to her, but I think it's, I think she's too young. And I was like, why don't you just see if you can stream the cartoon? So I probably just illustrated exactly why they did the cartoon. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the, the voice acting of Dave Coulier in Arsenio Hall uh, made it really, made it really uh, something that kids wanted to be a part of. Don't forget about Lorenzo Music and also the dude who played Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that going on. But you kind of saw the real difference between Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 in that style. Ghostbusters 2, to me, felt like it was marketed way more towards kids to make sure it had those, like, like Tiva was saying, like the heroic score, like the real poppy soundtrack that they had in 1989. It just felt more like forced kid friendly, well, and it just and it just made it. It just felt so off. Like Slimer, okay, perfect example. Slimer in Ghostbusters one to Ghostbusters two felt way different. Like Slimer in the, and the then first in the Ghostbusters, cartoon, he's their friend, right? In Ghostbusters, I hated at the time, but now I kind of love it. In the original Ghostbusters, Slimer was kind of terrifying when I first saw it, yeah. but then by it's Ghostbusters two, he became like more comic relief than anything. He's in, in the scene where he picks up Lewis Tully when he's getting on the bus 
That's just slapstick. Whatever effects company that they went with, like totally cartoonified all the like none of the ghosts in Ghostbusters 2 are scary. Like maybe that one that hangs out in the arch in Washington Square Park. Yeah. Like giant dinosaur. And and some of the ghosts coming off the Titanic are kind of scary, but like for the most part, like the Scolari brothers ain't scary. No. Um no, you're right. That was super cartoony. They're and super that always kind of bothered me because I was like, either like if they're gonna not just look like dead humans, then they should look scary and not right. silly. In the in the park where they're where they're jogging, the, the jogging ghost. Jogger. That I'm was scary. That was that was just silly. He's just a regular dude. The the jewelry store, that could have been a really like scary kind of ghost, but they didn't really do anything with it. But I also want to talk about I, I have a separate point for the for the animated series, but one of the main points that I want to make is in the animated series, there actually was a lot more character development than in the than in either movie. I agree. You learn a lot more about the characters. Well, you have time to do it. You have time to do it, but that's the thing. The show, the cartoon show was, even though it was a cartoon, was so sophisticated that people say it's for kids, but it's really more sophisticated than that. Uh-huh. But the movie, so like, let's say we're the animated series is aimed at like twelve and thirteen year olds, but the second movie comes along and it's aimed squarely at ten year olds. Yeah, two completely different audiences. But in the ensuing years it of the animated, rather treacly, be nice message, uh-huh. which is Ghostbusters Two definitely has a theme that you can pinpoint as opposed to the original Ghostbusters, where it's not really there. Ghostbusters 2 is definitely like, it, it, it's like a be excellent to each other kind of theme. Yes. Um, which, and it's also interesting that when you tack, when you tack a hard, when you incorporate a theme in a hardcore way, it kind of makes everything worse. We'll get into that later. But the Ghostbusters had developed so much in the animated show the last thing anybody wanted to see happen or wanted to do was go all the way back to square one in the second movie. And that's exactly what happens. And they didn't even take any ideas from the animated series. The animated cartoon probably has two of the best villains in the entirety of the Ghostbusters catalog. Ghostbusters 2, you could have had Sam Hain as the villain. You could have had uh, the Boogeyman as a villain. Those would have been excellent choices. That's not to say anything about Vigo the Carpathian was like a bad villain. I just feel like they had a lot more with the animated series. I feel like they should have had a lot more to work with. Now, in order to figure out what makes the friend, what makes Ghostbusters so easily transferable to cartoons we would have to look at the other franchise that's also features a very charismatic actor put into a new situation where he doesn't really change. I don't remember a Beverly Hills cop cartoon. Would you shut up? <laughs> um, you would have loved that though. I would where have. He doesn't, where he doesn't really change that spawned a cartoon series and also had a hit song that is the title of the movie. I'm talking, of course, about Men in Black. Yeah, same same company, Sony. 
Sony just knocks out content that could be made into cartoons and then just refuses to do anything <laughs> with all this great stuff that's lying around. Um, Men, Men in Black was a great film. The, Men, the shortly lived Men in Black cartoon, which has. Shortly I, I think lived. It, I thought it ran like three seasons. Three is kind of short when you're talking about cartoon series because there are cartoons that should have been. There are cartoons that went like. 10 years and they should have only went like five or six real ghostbusters only went like three years and should have been at least five um but the the cartoons for men in black and ghostbusters are both kind of cult classics Mm -hmm. at this point if you're really heavy into the ghostbusters universe or the men in black universe you're going to appreciate the cartoons a hell of a lot more but like you were saying agent j is incredibly charismatic and that is 100% because of Will Smith in the movie. You can't really duplicate that in cartoons. They tried their try. best. Jay but... in the cartoons is totally different than Jay on... The exactly. cartoons are more about K than Jay. But... Right. Just being, just Sony being able to just throw that out there as a cartoon, it just, it, it's just the weird, the, the weird kind of universe and story they're kind of depicting that almost lends itself to, like, child curiosity. I think what they have in common is... Number one, they're not, quote unquote, about anything. Yeah. They don't have any big transformative things that happen to the characters. The characters um, have a have a point where they can get back to, which is their status quo. And they have something that allows like Men in Black has aliens and kids can get into all the weird aliens and Ghostbusters have ghosts and kids can get into all the weird ghosts. Right. Like basically you got to give the kids something to that they're going to latch on to you along with characters that are familiar and likable. Kids are definitely going to gravitate towards a hundred foot marshmallow man. So now we have to talk about the elephant in the room. So hold on. Let yeah. me ask something. Okay. So you were saying that one of the problems with Ghostbusters 2 is that it took place after the cartoon series no 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 no, no. no my problem is it, yeah and the cartoon series had growth and the, the second yes. one went back to the beginning yes that's a big problem for me for me all right and i think I, for I a lot that. of fans okay but go do ahead. you think i mean do you think that i mean i know it didn't wasn't super popular with fans across the board but i mean do you think that there were like, do you think there were enough fans that were putting that together between the two, like that watched them both? Or do you I, just think like mm, it needed it needed to start somewhere other than the beginning? Because I, I, mean, I agree start, it needed to start somewhere other than the beginning. I think it needed to start somewhere other than the beginning. And I know for me personally, the cartoon show was the main reason I was going to see Ghostbusters 2 in the theater. Same. Okay, so, okay, I will say in Ghostbusters 2's favor a good thing was that they managed to get the same cast. Right. Right. Nobody wanted to, none of them wanted to do it. And it's clear. Yeah. And it's, but it's impressive that they did because it it was, what, five years later that they made it. So like that, that was good. That did work in its favor because I just, I mean, nobody would have given a literal shit if it had been like one of the same cast and everybody else was different. So at least there was that. Um, but what I will say, and this will this will go into our next topic, is that, and I did not recognize this initially, and Atiba, you're, I think, the one that pointed it out to me, was 
Bankman does make that comment in the first one about the franchise rights. And it is an <laughs> opportunity that everything that happens subsequent to that, they don't use right. the franchise as a stepping stone for anything else that they want to do. Like it's right there for you. <laughs> ideally, in my, in my dream world, ideally, they would make a Ghostbusters every 10 years or so with a different... In the in the nine in the in the like ninety four ninety five they could do it with a whole bunch of SNL cast like Dana Carvey and Mike Myers and those guys could be yeah. in that version of wait it. wouldn't it just be wouldn't it just be Farley and Spade then I don't think you could I don't think Chris Farley and Spade work outside of a Chris Farley and Chris Spade room okay I think do it, it I mean you'd be all right seeing right. them busting ghosts. If Wayne's World is not Wayne's World, it's Ghostbusters. I think oh, that's even better. Yeah. That's um, even better. In and the, in the concept is, it was a franchise. Right. And insert your specific plot there, but the stepping stone is always going to be that here's this franchise that these guys set up, and this is why they're Ghostbusters. Right. Which, in different, right. If we in can jump cities. into the 2016... Is just something we didn't bother with at right. all. Is my right. understanding? Full disclosure: I did not watch it. Right, and I think that I think that's a better idea. Like we see in like okay, there's so a, in Wayne's a world, reason why? Yeah, yeah. right. It's missing from everything else right. that they did. In 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 my example, the Wayne's world. If it becomes Ghostbusters, it could just be them setting up Ghostbusters in um, Chicago. In Chicago. Um, the L.A. Ghostbusters, and that could all be the the uh, the, the Anchorman crew. Like the four of them could be yeah. the Ghostbusters in L.A. Um, and then the forty-year-old Virgin crew could be a Ghostbusters team later on, like in a different city. Oh, your dream of your Silicon Valley Ghostbusters cast! Oh my god, <laughs> um, that probably could have happened if Middleditch didn't fuck it all up. God damn it! Well, and, and god damn it! What's his name got the me too? Listen, DJ Miller. It's just surprising to me that they turned Ghostbusters the movie into a franchise without using the fact that yeah, in the fictional universe it was intended to become a franchise. Right. Like that's a, just yeah. a missed opportunity totally that I, I actually like now that I know it, I feel like it's unforgivable and I can't get over it. Yeah. And I'm maybe not going to, I will try, but I'm maybe not going to like anything that they come up with because it, it's not the obvious and you should have just gone with the obvious. Well, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, should we just get into this now then? Since get we're, into it. Since we're kind of steering oh, into it. Okay. You're the only one who. I am the only one in this group that has seen the 2016 i've seen 2016 i've seen oh, i was it. gonna say wait oh, wait a second wait you didn't let me finish my thought jesus okay i'm the only one that has seen that movie multiple times oh well of course you and have. We'll i've go, seen it multiple times and i will and i will go back and watch it multiple times well that you're just a glutton for punishment you okay okay settle down okay so first reason i didn't see it is because the sheer volume of whiners crying about it ruining yeah. your childhood like fuck the fuck off i don't even want to wait so right so let me let me just dis- let me just discuss that right now all the your childhood does not the... own yeah for real ideas from the listen movie. 
listen, for as much as Michael Bay has bastardized the Transformers, I don't want to hear a goddamn thing about people who are up in their kitchens because it's an all-female Ghostbusters, okay? I'm sorry. Michael Bay has taken a literal and figurative shit on my childhood with the Transformers franchise, okay? So, what? What are you talking about? Those Transformers movies were not good. They okay. were not good. No, they were not good. But unless ti- unless Michael Bay has fucking invented a time machine, he did not shit on your childhood. Your childhood's just fine. All right, he figuratively okay. took a shit on my childhood then. He didn't figuratively take okay, a shit let's on just, it either. Let's just, okay. He made some movies you my don't like. Point, Calm my, down. My point being, to all those people that were in their kitchens about how, oh, the Ghostbusters can't be like all female you That's sexist misogyny and you, you sexist you sexist misogynist pricks need to shut the fuck up all right Women i don't want to hear it scientists back off man no, they're scientists because, back off man women are scientists exactly they can't be scientists because their periods and emotions get in the way and of all the that and all that bullshit walk, yeah they won't be able to walk past a science shoe store without going in <laughs> am i right now, ladies know what I'm, I'm talking glad about. you said it. I'm glad you said it, not us, because we we've we've already been canceled more than enough times. We don't need to do it again. The the, the whole process of being uncanceled. But anyway, okay, um, so, that was so, that was the first thing. I just want to get that out of the way, just yeah. because that being an issue, I feel like it really hurt how popular it may have been or could have been. Could have been, yeah. Are and there then, other so- significant problems? Yes. <laughs> Yes, which is and that like that sucks because, you know, like on one hand, you have these people crying, literally just probably sitting in their their at their laptops, just sobbing because now they're thinking of Ghostbusters as women, but like not wanting it to be good. And then it wasn't, which really sucks. Um, Okay, and here's the with a couple of wait, 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 go ahead. I, I disagree with a couple of those points. Number one. I don't think the backlash or all the online bitching hurt the movie. I think that's the reason why we remember it today. If it wasn't yeah, that's a good bitching, point. We would yeah, not remember. It would just have disappeared and not been a thing. That's a good point. Um, Although was it was thing? so annoying to have to listen to it all the time really that that's annoying. probably why I still haven't watched it. And then in the meantime, everybody was like, okay, so it's not right. good. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to deprioritize this on the, the list of things I spend my time on. Right. That's the other thing. The movie was not really, really good, nor was it tragically bad. It was just super average. So this idea kind of hurts it too. Was that a remake? Was it a reboot? I don't know what it was trying to be. If it's a remake, then you're going shot for shot, point for point as the original Ghostbusters movie. Which they did in some Which they did in some it, capacities. But then if it's also a reboot, then why do you need to give Bill Murray this piece? Why do you need to have Dan Aykroyd for two seconds? Why do you need to have Ernie Hudson for a minute? Sigourney Weaver in the end credits, Annie Potts, like all that. If this is a true remake, let these women cook and stand on their own two feet in a remake. Like, don't try to do all of these callbacks for no reason. Like, you're 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 cutting you're cutting the movie's legs off. My problem is you need to put these actors and writers in their own thing, and you need to not try to shoehorn them into a 
an existing IP just so that you can make some easy money. You can put those names on a poster and you will make money. I will go see a movie with Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. I will see that movie. It does not have to be Ghostbusters. I, I think I'm, they are funny actors and I want to see what they get up to. I think I the I casting. Don't need Ghostbusters. I think the casting was fine. I just also think, and this was part of the freaking homework assignment. In another YouTube, based off the homework assignment, there was a way to fix it. And I'm going to ask you if this would have helped at all. Say you have those four women, but you switch Kristen Wiig's role with Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones is the mouth of the group. Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon, Melissa McCarthy, they're fine. Leslie Jones is now the mouth of the group. Kristen Wiig is kind of like the, like, you know. I can't believe if we were going to formulaic this into Ghostbusters, we try to put Leslie Jones as the straight man. (laughs) She wasn't the straight man. She wasn't the straight man. Her role in that movie was to be the sassy black one. Right. That was her role. But like the skeptic. But it wasn't a skeptic. She, no, if, no. But if we're going back, if we're going back, she to, was just she was just Shaniqua from the block busting right. ghosts. That's <laughs> what she was. Just, that's disappointing too. But if we're if we're trying if we're trying to remake this, right? You want to have like similar things. Like you want to have somebody that's basically Venkman, somebody that's basically stands stands well, Egon Winston, etc. Those are just like character types, right? So they and, didn't really need to follow the formula right, of the exactly. original you movie, which you know, going back to Atiba's franchise idea, you wouldn't have had to if you had just if you had just made it an shoot of the idea instead of just being like, oh, it's a totally different thing that just happens yeah. to look exactly like the original thing. Would it have worked if those if the if the 2016 Ghostbusters would it have worked a lot better if it was a different city, not New York, without the original Ghostbusters cast at all going on your franchise point? I think the fundamental problem with that movie is that it is trying to shoehorn something into something. Okay. And it's, it does not work. Like you, you're trying to shoehorn these characters into established roles that work within this thing that you're trying to write. Like you're trying to shoehorn Melissa McCarthy into the race dance role and it doesn't work. Okay. We literally just had a conversation about, would Ghostbusters have worked if we had used Belushi instead of Murray right. or Murphy instead of Ernie Hudson? And we said kind of, no, it would have no. been a different movie. And so there, you're right, Atiba, there was no point in trying to cram the four of them into these specific boxes that were left behind by people who already established it as a thing. But the frustrating thing is when characters try to break out of those boxes, like I think one of the best parts about 2016 is Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Because she's not doing Egon. She's Mm -hmm. doing a new thing. She's kind of like this weird, funky, like inventor, nerdy thing. It's new. It's something that's not. Yeah. And it's the most, her performance is the most interesting thing about the movie. It's probably the the best thing about 2016. Yeah. The other thing that happens is they they try to shoehorn a modern theme or a modern thematic arc into this thing because it's based around the theme of Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig kind of rekindling this friendship after however many years. And like, it doesn't really play. I, could, I would agree with that. 
Then, of course, Chris Hemsworth is in it for some odd reason. Like, I didn't get that at all. And then, and then he needed a nerdy secretary, and then someone could find attractive. He's a bimbo. Yeah. And then, and then probably the biggest problem, Teves. I know you've seen this movie. Do you remember? Do you remember anything quantifiable about the villain? No, not really. Not a goddamn thing. I don't remember. He had a. He had a cool room where there were ghosts, like on in, behind mirrors. That was cool. Other but, than that, but like that, the the villain was at the villain in that movie was absolutely terrible. There was nothing. Rem, there's nothing to remember about that villain, and that's a problem for a franchise like Ghostbusters, where people remember Ghost of the Ghost Area, people remember Vigo the Carpathian, people remember Sam Hain and the Boogeyman and all like the that. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. People remember these villains, and if you're in, if you're doing a Ghostbusters movie, you don't have that antagonist that everybody remembers in every movie. What's the point? I will say the main thing that this movie is missing, and this is the thing that I said when it came out from the very beginning, is Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was so hands-on because these this idea meant so much to him because his family was involved, was involved in the spiritualist movement. Like Dan Aykroyd probably owns a copy of the actual Tobin Spirit Guide. That's what I'm saying. That's he he owns guy a first is. edition. He owns a first edition. And his authenticity with that made sure that even when the movie tried to steer into ridiculous cartoon territory, the original, I mean, the second one, whatever, <laughs> he was always there to say, no, that's too far. You need to like put it back. Pull the reins back. There's nobody yeah. to do that in, in 2016 and in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, like I think that's a thing that maybe is missing it's kind of missing from the second one. I assume it's totally missing from 2016, which yeah. is yeah. that like it was serious. Right. Like uh-huh. it's parts comedy, of it were serious. Like, like everything else about it is serious. It's just like Venkman's not serious. Right. right. That's what plays. Venkman is in this very real seeming world. Right. Because he's a Venkman. con artist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Always back to the con artist. Now, yeah, very... so I mean, like the 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 comedy of it did not come from the fact that everything was written as a joke. It came from the fact that, like, you had these people in a very real situation. Like, that's a thing that I do love about Ghostbusters and about a lot of things. Where like, it's our world plus, right? right? Like, it's just the regular ass world. It's just that in this one, ghosts are a real thing. And, and like instead of this thing where just like none of it exists. And this is why I kind of have a little bit of shimmering hope for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Teeves is kind I of Luke. Teeves is okay. I was gonna say you're lukewarm, but I guess you have no you're Real just quickly, not before we before we move on to afterlife, I just want to say that what Heidi's talking about, how everything is like super realistic it has to be written that way in order to work as a bill murray movie bill murray only works in your movie if he's able to play off serious things like the entire world has to be a straight man for bill murray yeah that's the way it works right Um, because the only way he because he's so deadpan in his comedy that like the only way he's going to be more extreme than that is if the whole all of his surroundings are just serious 
it doesn't work if there's a whole lot of jokesters and Bill Murray. Yeah, okay. he doesn't. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't even think of anything he's been in that's like that. Where he's um, not the main guy. Where he's not the main guy and where there's people funnier than him. Nobody's funnier than him. Caddyshack, he's not the main guy, but he's off doing totally his he own thing. He is off the rails so. doing his own thing. With with Afterlife, I do have some some glimmers of hope just because, I yeah, Teeves, I know you think it's Stranger Things with a, go, with a Ghostbusters tagline. <laughs> um, I don't think it's... Well, I think... <laughs> I think Stranger Things did in their in their second season. They had all the kids in Ghostbusters outfits, and right. a Columbia exec was like, "We should make the movie of that <laughs> <laughs> of the Stranger Things kids in Ghostbusters <laughs> outfits." I, I do like I, I do like the the premise as I've read it through Wikipedia, and not the best not the best source I know, but it's set in the Midwest. And it's Egon's grandson, great grandson. Is it a franchise? It is not a franchise. Not a franchise. All right, not interested. Next movie. <laughs> All right, fine. Fine. Look, it's a missed opportunity again. I'm not going to be able to get over it. This happens to me. I'm sorry. But you <laughs> made reason, a mistake and you yeah. can't go back and fix it. And I'm not interested going forward. You the know what? Reason, it's a little bit like. I mean, it'll have, like, it'll have everybody house. of the original cast without Egon. And Winston is apparently a doctor now. The reason why I'm not hopeful is because in the trailer, the tone is very weird. It is. It feels exactly in tone like the Force Awakens trailer, which is like, it's like iconography, and it's like all this stuff is holy, and we need to respect it. And and like, no, Ghostbusters is precisely about the opposite of that. It's okay. about nothing is holy. It's about we're going to do this thing and we're going to kill your gods. And that's what we're going to do. Well, <laughs> like, you, you can loop this back to your previous conversation about fan service. Oh God. It's, it is super fan servicey. That yeah. trailer is like fan service. Well, I mean, they had, the they had to do it that way to get the, to get the interest up. Well, but with the way everybody cried about the 2016, I, I can see why your instinct yeah. would be to go in fan service. Although I don't know why a bunch of whiners on the internet should get their ass kicked by the next move, kissed by the ass next movie. That's ridiculous. Exactly. But here we are. That seems to be what we do. And that's Listen, why clearly, we're in this shit cycle where all we ever do is yeah. remake and reboot stuff that's already happened instead of paying somebody who went to student debt money for film school to write something original and i'm sure those ideas are out there we could or remake them. and reboot the wrong things like for example why was there a remake of point break just no no meanwhile there was, remake of point break? there was a remake of point break you that's all you need to know you don't need to go any any more research anything like that they do that but yet teams and i are still waiting for our warriors remake which shut we're, up i'm doing it Okay. Shut up. All right. Okay. That, I did not know that was going to be part of the Royster Brothers studio catalog. I forgot. Dibs. We called dibs. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like all we're doing is we're just in a nostalgia vortex and we're just creating things because people yeah. already like them and they're not good. I mean, what I don't, I can't think of anything that's really been a reboot or remake that's been actually good. 
And Ghostbusters is a great point about we it. Might, and they couldn't even get the sequel right. We might have to do a podcast on how our generation is responsible for destroying the movie business. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, we, we might have I to do really that. I really think we, we probably, we probably should. did way more harm than good. But we're not here to talk about negativity. We're here to talk about positivity. Since when? And, and, since you invited right me, so I don't think we're here to talk about positivity. <laughs> yeah, for real. In Come the on. spirit of positivity, we're going to talk about our five favorite things about Ghostbusters. All right. Wait, I have one. Yes. That stems from the... what? Uh, someone do the math. What anniversary was it when we saw it in the theater in 2000? What year did we see it? Uh, probably 2011 or 12. That would have been well, 25, I think. Was it 25? Yeah. So it was the re-release. And that is the first time I saw it on the big screen because obviously in 1984 was Same. four years old. Adio and I were four years old. So that would have been the first time I saw it on the big screen. So I noticed stuff. I think T's was well into his 20s by that point. Okay, I'm not that old <laughs> jerk. <laughs> um, okay. I just want to talk about the beauty of the scene where they blast the maid in the hotel. Yes. With the cart, which is a great <laughs> scene, right? We we love it. They think it's Slimer. They they hit her with the things and, and the, she goes, she dies. Burning toilet paper. And then they're standing there talking in front of her. Well, there's the great line, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and then they're standing there talking in front of her. I never noticed before that she crawls on her hands and knees to the piece of the, the roll of toilet paper that's on fire. And she's using a spray bottle from the, <laughs> to put the fire out. And boy, never noticed that. Scene. You never noticed that. The writing is so good in this it, movie was just so excellent and i was very disruptive in the theater because i could not stop laughing at the script is fantastic what do you got what's what's something you love adio uh i think just i think just the cast of the original ghostbusters john belushi uh eddie murphy could have been in the movie i think the four that we got it was pretty perfect in terms of the blending of all the right uh personality types and i think that lends or it lent to the movie having such chemistry throughout all the characters like no one character felt really detached from the rest of the group even ernie hudson in his i'm just here for a paycheck even he had the kind of chemistry and connection with the other three guys with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Hal Ramos, who've been like in Hollywood for years. Like there, it just didn't seem like there was that much of a separation. You know what is interesting in um, that guy's video about Ghostbusters not being about anything? I can't remember. Whatever homework assignment it was. Yep, from our homework assignment, from, from the reading. Um, homework. Uh, he makes the point that like a lot of the characters change apparently happens prior to the movie starting because when it starts, they're all very established as who they are. Right. Um, which I, I don't know. I guess like it, it, I don't know that he's necessarily putting that out there as a negative, but I think in terms of the writing and the acting, 
it's really good to have them come on screen for the first time and immediately you sense that they're all established in who they are and you understand that they have these you know past histories of working together like you get that instantly without them necessarily explaining it to you i think that's that's really good let me just let me just add this about the the script i'm pretty sure teves and i talked about this um the the corresponding oscars for 1984 movies these were the uh nominees for best screenplay written for the screen right you have places in the heart which won beverly hills cop broadway danny rose the north and splash are you telling me ghostbusters could not be in there as like a fifth or substituted with something else i don't think you can i don't think you can put it all on the script because a lot of the stuff like what Heidi was talking about, the spray bottle, I'm sure that was just improvised on the day. A lot yeah. of the stuff that we really love, I'm sure was not written, like hardcore screenplay written. I'm, I'm sure like the scenario was plotted out. I'm sure the plotting was in place. I just don't know that all of the script came from one pen. Would That's be fair. interesting. It would be interesting to see the different versions of you the can script. read the and script I'm sure online. There, it's not yeah, exactly sure, the same. Yeah, I'm sure that there's that there's you know first drafts and shooting scripts and stuff, and and you can read them <laughs> and compare them and see how they're different, which would be interesting. Because isn't it that that the containment device was initially supposed to be at a gas station in New Jersey, but like logistically it doesn't really yeah. work on film. But that is sort of a thing that I love. <laughs> I don't know if they if if they were to film. Ackroyd's original treatment, it would cost like $500 million to <laughs> do the most expensive movie ever made. I mean, we can um, do that now. We might be able to do it now, but it would be all computers and nobody would want to watch it. My first thing that I love about Ghostbusters is New York City, 1984. I don't think this movie works any other time or place. You need yeah, to have I that dirty, yeah. gritty, we're over one, we're overrun with rats and crime and now ghosts. <laughs> that is New York. Heidi, thing number two. Adieu. All right. Teves really gave the finger to the guy that did the score for Ghostbusters 2. However, the soundtrack for Ghostbusters 2. Soundtrack is solid. Holy shit. That soundtrack is dope. It's got it's got a couple of there are some bangers on that soundtrack. Some, it's not, you cannot listen to it the whole way through, but if you're working and you just put it on, it's fine. Let me um, just, all let, on our own bangs. On our own bangs. Uh, what else is, on, what else is on that soundtrack? Uh, Supernatural by New Edition is on the soundtrack. Uh, We're Back by Bobby Brown also. Ghostbusters by Run DMC. I knew it was Run DMC. I I knew that was Run Run DMC. But whatever. Uh, Flip City by Glenn Frey. Higher and Higher, the Jackie Wilson cover. That version, that version slaps. This whole, the whole. They're both good. I bought that Jackie Wilson record specifically for that song. So did I. That good. That the soundtrack of Ghostbusters 2 slaps so hard. Like Tiva said, put it on at work, it's fine. It's on Spotify. Also, you know what I love? Here's the thing I love. In Ghostbusters 2, I love that bit with the slime in the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
what what a damn joy <laughs> my we, thing we've two. been uh well well we talk to it and we sing to it and say encouraging <laughs> nourishing things to it you're not sleeping with it are you ray <laughs> oh my you. second always the quiet ones <laughs> my second thing that i love is the soundtrack of the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> it is incredible. Okay. Not only the Ray Parker Jr. song, which what? Why is that even as good as it is? As it should, as really it is. shouldn't be, but Does it Ray is. Does Ray Parker Jr. have any other hits? Does Ray Parker Sr. have any hits? Anybody? I don't know. Um could not tell you and probably wouldn't recognize them even if we looked them up. Nobody else on this album, I think, has any, like, songs that anyone has ever heard of. But for this specific soundtrack, it is perfect. Song <laughs> to song, perfection. The Alessi Brothers. Um, wow. Um, also, the first one ends literally with a song that goes, Saving the Day. Saving the Day. Saving the Day. Cleaning up the town. They actually wrote that one for that movie, but still, and, like, and, and listen, just, just to go, just, just to piggyback on Ray Parker Jr. Listen, Huey Lewis, stop it. Calm down, Huey Lewis. This, hey, this, you don't this, own those three. You chords don't own. You don't own those three chords <laughs> for "I Want a New." You don't own those for. But hilariously, <laughs> do you know the whole story with that? Yeah, Huey Lewis sued Columbia, I think it was. No, Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. They settled with a uh, with an NDC, a non-disclosure about the whole situation. But then Huey Lewis talked about it, so Ray Parker Jr. sued him for breaking the NDA. It's incredible. Wow, I didn't know any of that, but I love it. And I, I have nothing against Huey Lewis. I own a couple of those records, too. Actually, if you have a chance, you should watch Huey Lewis doing the scene from American Psycho, but talking about American Psycho, the movie, oh, the way fantastic. Kristen Bale talks about Huey Lewis in the news, the band. Oh, man. It's it's so meta, like my head almost exploded. <laughs> All right. Third do, thing. Do we, have, wait, third do, we, thing. do we have Heidi's number two yet? Yeah, she said the toaster. Oh, the right. Toaster. You you do your number three now, Teeves. My third thing is this your this was your homework assignment. My third thing you didn't give us ahead of time. My third thing is the special effects, especially the design of the proton streams. Whoever decided that these things need to look like electric Twizzlers, fantastic. Incredible work. Yeah. By this guy. It was also like going back to the the appeal to kids. It was also a really easy costume to recreate True. for yourself. I mean, like literally, I think everybody when, when we were real little just made them out of cereal boxes. Yeah. You just also, put rope on a cereal box and you're like, I'm a Ghostbuster. <laughs> very, very good for the real world. Incredible work by the designers of all the ghosts making ghosts that are at one point scary, but also cuddly enough to get transferred into cartoon characters. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say Mm -hmm. my number three is that 
kind of the entire library scene as far as openings mm. of a movie and their ability to sort of set the tone for the entire thing is fantastic. Great it also has one of my favorite lines that probably everybody misses where Ray says, listen, do you smell that? <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. I love scenes that are super duper efficient and you come out of that scene knowing everything you need to know about those characters. Everything you need to know. And then also like Getter is just <laughs> such a good... And then, and then he's like... That was your whole plan. That was your Get plan, her. Getter? <laughs> uh, my number three... Uh, God. Sigourney Weaver. Just just period. Um, just going from... Just going from seeing her in one movie like Alien... And then come back and do like have comedy chops to do the original Ghostbusters. Go back and be the ultimate badass in Aliens and then come back and be another and just come back with the same comedic chops for Ghostbusters 2. Just those transitions. Holy shit. She hung out with gorillas at some point. Gorillas in the the mist or gorillas in the wild. (laughs) Yeah, gorillas in the mist was 88. You are more of a game show host. <laughs> Seriously, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver has like one of the best decades of like my movie watching experience. Strong decade. She's got four strong... movies in that decade: two Ghostbusters go, movies and two if you go Aliens movies. If you go seventy-nine to eighty-nine, it's very strong. It's incredibly strong. Strong body of work. It's a strong body of work. So, working just... girl. Started, starting with Alien, you get Eyewitness, The Year of Living Dangerously, Deal with the Century, Ghostbusters, One Woman or Two, Half Woman Street, Aliens, Gorillas in the Mist, Working Girl, Ghostbusters 2. That's a oh. solid decade for, 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 for Miss Weaver there. All right, I'm going to get into my number four, and it's the design of the tech. Heidi touched on this earlier, but just making the tech look like it was homemade and just cobble together like this movie is bef- okay so i think Bob robert zemeckis needs to if i'm the production designer on ghostbusters i'm suing robert zemeckis because doc brown's lab is just a proton pack that's all it is it's just a whole bunch of shit all over the place just attached to things looking <laughs> exactly like the proton pack it's just it's just weird lights and bulbs just just everywhere there's no there's no discernible like rhyme or reason to the design of the proton pack it's patently ridiculous but it works it works all right number four all right and this is this is going to be this is going to be somewhat controversial based on what we talked about honestly i like i like the attempt at 2016 the execution listen the execution was very off for many reasons that we can describe we have described already, but I think the idea, the concept could have, the the concept was good. The execution I feel could have been a lot better. Mainly if Paul Feig was allowed to like cook the way I think he probably wanted to. Cause if you're going to hire somebody like Paul Feig and you're going to put Melissa McCarthy on the poster, you got to let them be themselves, right? You can't have, you can't have Paul Feig out here doing PG-13 when his thing has always been raunchy slapstick comedy. That's the whole point. They try to shoehorn them into this thing 
that does not work for them. I like, listen, I like, I, yes, I said it. Could have I said hired it. Any kid out of film school to come up with a Ghostbusters inspired script and it would have been better. There was you a could more have creative let way to do and it. And McCarthy write their own script for something else. And that yes. would have been letting. Columbia was never going to let Paul Feig do anything crazy with their franchise. That's the whole problem. Like, like I said, the I like the attempt to try it. The execution was definitely off, but I like the attempt that they were going for. Well, personally, I think the endeavor was doomed from the start. Heidi, number four. Well, that's just right, because I- of all the sexist and misogynistic creeps on the internet. Clearly. Well, that's part of the problem. Um, I have a three-way tie for my number four. Wow. One, Jesus. Eggs frying on the counter. Great. Nice. Incredible. Incredible piece of work. I got to find out how they did that anyway. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Because when it, I don't know. Do, do I want to cook eggs on my counter? No, you don't. Probably no, you not. don't. It's messy. Um, two, the entire ballroom scene. Great. I mean, yeah. really just one one hit after another really fantastic <laughs> and three tie-in juice drinks ecto cooler ecto cooler <laughs> i mean <gasps> come on like merchandising i mean do we merchandise like that still i don't know i don't know i think i Maybe, think ecto- i just don't shop that aisle of the store i don't know i think ecto cooler might be coming back when the new movie comes out it wouldn't surprise me. I might buy some. Yeah. Just, just for old time's sake. I probably won't like it, but I might buy it. My number five goes to the Gozerian. Just the, the, the totally not what you were expecting Gozer to look like when you find out about this entity. And I just think that actress or model and that costume... And that hairdo and those red eyes burned right into my skull. <laughs> yeah, and it was like you had that moment where you're like, "Wait, is this scary?" Yeah, because it's, it's it little... wasn't what you were expecting, and you right. were just kind of like, "Hold on, I don't know if this is scary or not." And then, and then you know, you realize, like, actually, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking scary. Yeah, I'm 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 scared, but I'm turned on, but I'm also scared. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, that's it. That's only cool. you. Only you teams. <laughs> no, oh, I'm I the mean, only right. person that got turned on by Goers of the Gozerian. I don't yes. think so. No, yes. I mean there was broad appeal for that, I think. Yes. I I I'm with you. <laughs> Honestly, my number one, and I couldn't think of any other thing to give it to. Fucking stay pumped. I'm sorry. I know so unexpected, right? And so that's kind unexpected. Of like, that's kind of like what I mean about. You you could try to just do the same thing over again. And it was actually an issue that I had with the second one because I felt like the Statue of Liberty walking around yes. was a little redundant compared to Stay Puff. But like it was so unexpected. Nobody did that in a movie before. So like for the next one, I want to be surprised like that. I don't want the same thing. And that's where I think we constantly go wrong with sequels and remakes and stuff like that is like, we're like, no, we got to do the same thing. Do we? I mean, blow my mind a second time. <laughs> I just the the lead up up to Stay Puffed, the story uh, from um, 
the story from Camp Wakanda or whatever the hell it was called. I'm sure it wasn't Wakanda, but whatever. Wakanda. Wakanda. Thank you. But him walking, like him walking through the, like just there's a crossover. People, yeah, right. Give me my Ghostbusters Black Panther crossover. Let's go. Uh, The the people's reactions as he's walking through, I think that's Columbus Square in New York City. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And then him getting to the rooftop and then just the exchange of the Ghostbusters with Stay Puft. Can't believe it's can't believe we're going out like this. Killed by a hundred foot marshmallow man. Hey, man, this Mr. Stay Puft is cool. He's in New York. We get this guy laid. and We don't have any trouble. Like the fact that they played so comically off of something that was just so incredibly ridiculous. It just made the end part of that fucking amazing. Also, how when they start when they start shooting at him, his, his eyes changes. bulge out in surprise. That's like he gets the really like, he gets the angry eyebrows, you know, and then yeah. Oh my god! Right, the Heidi, design last, for that is amazing. Last okay. thing. last one, a uh, character that has gotten kind of no love at all from us so far. And in honor of was my dad's favorite character and lines from the movie that my dad quoted more than any others growing up, Lewis Tully. Yeah. Yes. Lewis uh, Tully, can man. I, can, I, can I just say something? Can I just say something as it pertains to Lewis Tully and Rick Moranis? Why are we out here on the streets just punching Rick Moranis in the face? Look. I really hope whoever that guy was that just punched Rick Moranis in the face in the face. I hope he gets I hope, thirty years. I hope he gets shrunk and has to run around With the ant. city of New York as With a ants one. And rats. Yeah. Of all the of all the least punchable faces in Hollywood, I think Rick Moranis has one of the least punchable faces in American cinema. There are so many other actors that deserve punches in the face. But somehow Rick Moranis is out here catching strays. It's unfortunate. It makes no yeah. sense. Rick Maybe Moranis. they didn't like Lewis Tully. Rick What's Moranis. it not like about Lewis Tully? Look, I love Lewis Tully. He is my one of my favorite things, obviously, about the Ghostbusters. Definitely growing up, my dad thought all Lewis Tully's lines were the best. Solid and gold. would say them all the time. Like he my dad would get like a bottle of vitamins out of the cabinet and he would say the line about like, you know, I got a great rate on these and, or, or like the aspirin when he'd be like, yeah, I can, I can get generic. I can get twice as much or whatever the, (laughs) whatever the line is. And the, uh, where he has his party. That's why I invited clients instead of friends. And then as the clients are coming in, you catch that, like, he's just blabbing their financial situations to the entire party. Excellent. Just excellent. (laughs) Would you like some coffee, Mr. Tully? Would I? Would yes, I? have some. Yes, have some. <laughs> All right. So, well, thanks for indulging us, everybody, on our deep dive into one ghost of the and things, ghost busting. Ghost and ghost busting. One of the things we love more than anything. Busting but makes us it. feel good. Makes it. Busting does make us feel good. <laughs> uh, as always, follow us on social media. I am Kid Phoenix at Adobe Royster. Teeves is at Teeve at Ativa K. Uh, 
Heidi is on Twitter, but you, you know, you yeah, she she won't answer or talk to anybody. It's Shazbot Industries. Shazbot Industries. Uh, we'll link everything. Um, follow, follow the show at Teams and Kid Versus. That's it. Keep, keep a lookout for these guys in starring in their mattress commercial. Mattress commercials inspired mattress commercials. Ghostbusters inspired mattress commercials. Uh, <laughs> but that that's it. Thanks That's for having me. Go go watch Ghostbusters. Go back Always to a pleasure. Go back to leafing through Bates catalog and Tobin Spirit Guy. Yes. Not and if you're Dan Aykroyd, leaf through that first edition, but be careful with the pages. That's it. That's all we got. That's, That's, it. It. That's the podcast. We got. We're getting Bye out of everyone. here. We're Season leaving. Kid Phoenix. We're done. We're out of here. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>